episode 328, dated Friday, October 6th, 2023. You are listening to the In Perspective weekly podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco for episode 328, dated Friday, October 6th, 2023. From Coos Bay, Oregon, we have our co-host, Peter Alchel. Peter, is it still raining over there? No, it's beautiful. It's sunny and 82 degrees here in Coos Bay, Oregon. It's supposed to rain all next week, but right now we're having gorgeous weather. Well, we're going to be raining again for yet another Saturday. This is about three or four Saturdays in a row. Now it's Tropical Storm Felipe. I think these storms are in love with New England this year. But anyway, great to have you with us, Peter. And I want to, at this particular time, thank those people who make it possible for In Perspective to be made available to the general public. We start out with Raymond Gay, our executive producer, who does what he does behind the scenes. Tom and Lynn from posting In Perspective on Rosie's Place chat line. We thank you for doing that as well. Our media sources, thank you for airing us whenever you do. We appreciate that very much. And Jacqueline Sylvia from JS Web Solutions, thank you very much for archiving our shows on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. Go there. Click on In Perspective Podcasts and check out most of our archived shows from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie. And at this time, let me also thank Stephen Bauer for once again being our host for today's episode. And for those who are listening on ACB Media 5, let me give out our email address in case people want to write in with any questions or comments about our programs. That would be bobbranco93 at gmail.com. That's bobbranco, B-O-B-B-R-A-N-C-O, 93 at gmail.com. Many of you are familiar with radio station WBZ in Boston. They are a 50,000-watt radio station. Of course, now that there is Internet, you can hear them anywhere. But at one time, even half the country heard WBZ. One of the featured hosts that appeared quite frequently, and I believe still does, is a gentleman that many of you have heard of, Mr. Morgan White. Morgan does a lot of trivia, a lot of contests. He's a very versatile gentleman, a lot of knowledge. I had the pleasure of meeting him along with my wife. We were at a park one day at a picnic, and uh, Morgan came as a guest, and he played games with some of us, trivia games. Well, uh, Welcome, Morgan. It's a pleasure having you on our program. Well, thank you for inviting me, and I hope people have fun. Well, I think that's what this is all about. (laughs) So they call you the man of trivia. Now, how did you get into trivia? I've got a 10-second explanation. I wrote a book on cartoons. That book got used on a radio show. I got invited to the radio show. I got my own radio show eventually, and the rest is history. How's that? 10 seconds. That's very easy enough, very good enough. Yes, well, I know from firsthand experience that you cover a lot of different categories and you even give away prizes. You did when I was at that picnic several years ago. Yes. And it was very interesting, very enjoyable. And, of course, you appear on WBZ. Every Saturday night I'm on, it's called The Morgan Show, 
I, again, my name is Morgan White Jr. And if you want, my website is Morgan White Jr. at Gmail. And you can see what I'm up to and where I'm going, things that I have going on in the greater Boston area. Excellent. Morgan, how did you, you, you talked about writing a book about cartoons. Talk about that. How did that happen? Well, and, and what prompted you to be between, into cartoons in the first place? Well, from the age of three, I remember sitting in front of a TV set and watching cartoons, watching the same Warner Brothers cartoons that are on now, the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, the Flintstones, Quick Draw McGraw, Yogi Bear, and a variety of other animated films and snippets. Got the kangaroo? Oh, well... You had to watch Captain Kangaroo because if you wanted to see the cartoon that he had on, Tom Terrific, it was on Captain Kangaroo. And when they ran out of Tom Terrific cartoons, they brought in Larry and Sam. Now, see, these are things most people won't remember unless they're prodded to remember. And that's what I do. I prod people to think, go way back in their brains and remember not only a cartoon show, a cartoon character, but remember the circumstances. You watched a Bugs Bunny episode. Well, which Bugs Bunny episode was it? Was it the one where he got the best of Daffy Duck, of which there were several of those? They were animated by Chuck Jones, and that's the sort of thing I do. I pay attention to detail, because all the details are important, no matter who you are. If you watch a TV show, one of you, yell any TV show, I know you listed three hosts here and a producer. So somebody right now, you know, any TV show ever. Bob, I never watch TV, so I'm I'm sort of out of the loop on this one. I I what about game shows like for example Jeopardy? Okay, fine. Jeopardy. The Jeopardy music, the think music is 30 seconds long. And Jeopardy got created by Merv Griffin and his wife being at a party. And there were always party games, but somebody said, let's do it from reverse. You have to come up with a question to match an answer. And Merv took that, did a little nip and tuck here and there, made it a show. Art Fleming was the original host of Jeopardy, and (laughs) the rest is history. Do you recall another game show that Merv Griffin hosted before Jeopardy was even on the air? Because I remember it clearly. It's a show called Word for Word. I remember Word for Word, and I wasn't aware that Merv produced it. But No, he hosted um, it. I think he hosted it. I'm not oh, sure who produced it. Okay. I remember that, and he also hosted Play Your Play Hunch. Play Your Hunch. Yes. So there, now we've done dueling Merv Griffin game shows. Um, unless I'm mistaken about word for word being Merv Griffin's show. I know Play Your Hunch was, that's for sure. Play Your Hunch was a Merv, Merv Griffin show, and Merv Griffin had a top ten song with I've Got a Lovely Bunch of Coconuts. Of, of Coconuts. And prior to Play Your Hunch, and prior to Play Your Hunch was a show by Art James called Say When. Yes. It was on directly before. Yep. Say When was an NBC show. I can even remember the theme. Do, 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 say when. And we're talking roughly about 1962 or three. Something like that. 
Before the Jeopardy Jeopardy, era, which started in 64. Yes. Yes. Then, of course, we had Hollywood Squares, which was a fun show. Concentration. Truth or Consequences. The the old Price is Right with Bill Cullen, you know, before Bob Barker took over on a different version. I enjoyed game shows. I loved game shows. Bob Barker took over in 1972, and they pretty much came up with the same format that we now see with Drew Carey. And... The Bill Cullen version, the prizes were bigger. They gave away houses and, and what do you call it, chauffeur-driven limousines. You could have a, you could win your own limousine. And more valuable than the, the prices. More valuable than the showcases. On oh, Bob much version. more va- more valuable than the showcases. Well, the showcase aspect of prices, right? That is usually going to be somewhere between $25,000 and up. But we're talking about 1960s money. So when you were giving away a house, a house was $40,000. Then imagine what that same house would be now in 2023. Oh, absolutely. That would that would be major, major, major money. So I remember Morgan going for, I think it was my sister's birthday, to a taping of What's My Line in New York City. What do you remember? What do you yeah. know about that show? Well, that show's had many uh, hosts. What's My Line? Great show because you had four B-level celebrities. Not knocking them by saying B-level, but you, you didn't see Elizabeth Taylor as one of the celebrities. And they would all try to figure out by questions that the four panelists would put to the, the people who, who were the celebrities at that time, by saying celebrities who had a well-known job, somebody who might have worked for Forest Service or somebody who might work for NASA, and you had to guess their line, their occupation. And when you talk about game shows, we, we've mentioned a good dozen or so in the past, what, five minutes. I loved game shows, just like I loved animation. So when I got my own radio show, I interviewed Marty Hall. I've interviewed Bob Barker, may he rest in peace. I have interviewed, just last week, Todd Newton, who was the host of updated version of Whammy, Pressure Luck. These people have that special gene in them where they can seem neutral, because you normally have two or three contestants and they're trying to to win a car or a refrigerator or whatever, and the game show host has to try and remain neutral, noticeably rooting for him, male contestant, or her, the female contestant. And they they like to see somebody win, like a Ken Jennings who won months on Jeopardy, but eventually when they lose, it's, well, thank you, and I hope you enjoyed your stay on our show, and now let's introduce Mrs. Smith from Oregon. And that's Speak, speaking of Oregon. That very few people have. Speaking of Oregon, I would be, oh, I'm ahead. sorry, forgive me. Speaking of Oregon, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. Some of you listeners might remember that I met my current partner, 
Carrie Muth, the president of the Oregon Council of the Blind, through a mock-up of the dating game that uh, the American Council of the Blind put on. So I, I really should ask you, Morgan, talk about the dating game and how that uh, reflects on TV and who, who produced well, it. Chuck so. Barris was the creator of the dating game, the Newlywood game, the gong show. Chuck Barris liked to put people, everyday people, in a unique circumstance. where You had a bachelor and three lovely bachelorettes, but they couldn't see each other. So you're basing your choice. It's a male, and there were three females. Male is basing his choice on how the three women respond to the questions he puts forth to them. And it's all done in about seven or eight minutes. So you have to be a pretty astute person listen for innuendo, to listen for voice, listen for information, and choose number two over number one and three. And that was all the genius of Chuck Barris. Look it to the extreme with the gong show where he had three judges, B-level celebrities, give a score of 1 to 10 on a contestant demonstrating a talent. They sang or danced. It it was one pair of girls. All they did was lick popsicles for their time with the camera on them. That was their act, licking popsicles. So judges gave each of them a 10, and 30 points was the best you could do. And How did the licking of the popsicles evolve? <laughs> that that was their talent. That was what they decided they wanted to showcase to America, uh, the licking of popsicles. But let me go to the other end of the spectrum. There was a singer. Her name was Cheryl Lynn, and she, she sang in the time allotted for each of the contestants, and she had a powerful voice. Chuck Is that Barris, the same Cheryl Lynn that sang To Be Real? She sang Got To Be Real. Got To Be Real. Yeah, yeah that's her. Got To Be Real. Yep. That's the same woman. And Chuck Barris got her a contract. New people in the music business, because don't forget, he wrote that song, Palisades Park, for Freddie Boom Boom Cannon. So mm-hmm. he knew people in the music industry, and he said, got to listen to this woman. She's got a voice. Got her a contract, and she had a top ten hit with Got To Be Real. That's Chuck Barris, who created a number of gong shows. So kind of went off the deep end with the $1.98 beauty show. That was just way above everybody. Morgan, getting back to the dating game for a second, was there ever a chant, a time when the roles are reversed? So you had... Uh, oh, yeah. They, they, they flipped the script many a time. You would have a woman... And three bachelors separated yep. by the petition there. I've it, seen that. And you would have maybe two rounds in a 30-minute show. So you might see round one, a woman interviewing three potential bachelors, and they would make a decision who gets what, and they get a trip to Europe somewhere. Now they're off the stage, and you bring in a man. And he is trying to see which one of the three women will meet his tastes. So they, they, there was no always a man 
going for three women, always a woman going for three men. It would rotate depending on how the producers felt about it. Yeah, it's funny. You sh- I obviously don't remember because I, I remember watching the dating game when when I could get away with it when my mom wasn't around, and I don't ever remember like, <laughs> having three women. I'm sorry, one woman interviewing three bash, you know, three guys. I just don't yeah. remember. I'm sure, it happened. I just don't remember. Or maybe maybe no, I didn't watch it. I remembered both genders. You know, the, yeah. the male interviewing the women, the woman interviewing the men. I do remember that. I'm sure it happened. They, Jim they, Lang was the they host. Even, they had a teenage Michael Jackson. He must have been around 14 or 15 interviewing three lovely young ladies. Ladies, all Obviously, they were teens as well. And they did the best they could to get the audience to come back next week or tomorrow, depending on what episodes you're watching, because it had a daily version and a once-a-week version. A lot of the more popular game shows did that. I started to talk about the match game. The match game had a daily version and then the nighttime version. Gene Rayburn for both. And Gene Rayburn was the host of both. And the original match game back from the 60s, had a slightly different format than the one that we see now. There are six celebrities trying to help one of two contestants be the best. Back then, you only had two celebrities along with two contestants on a team. So Team A versus Team B. Right, one celebrity and two contestants on each team. (laughs) Yes. Uh, May you please mute whoever that is? Please, please mute. Okay, go ahead, Morgan. It wasn't me. <laughs> no, I know. I know it wasn't you. And, I know it wasn't. And the, the thing about the match game, it had a very catchy theme. Now, I'm going to tell you the theme called Swinging Safari by Bert Camford. And maybe one of your producers, not now, not during our show here, but if, if you really care, you can look that up because I'm sure it's out there. I've heard it many a time. And that will take your memory back, watching in 1963, 1964, the match game with Gene Rayburn. And that that game show had unusual thing. Most shows were either a half hour or 30 minutes. That was a 25-minute show back in the 60s because they did a five-minute newscast in the afternoon at 425 Eastern Time with Edwin Newman, and that's why they only had 25 minutes of a show instead of 30. These are the things that stick in my mind. I just have this ability to remember the most unusual things, and I pay attention to the details. By talking about Chuck Barris, how many people even know that name, that he was the executive producer, creator of the dating game? I knew him with the Gong Show. And the yeah. Gong Show. That's now, the only one himself, that I knew. Yeah, and he put himself front and center. Oh, who was the original host was Bobby Van of the Gong Show, but Chuck wanted it to be a bit more crazy. Bobby Van did it as an MC dealing off the top of the deck, but it was much more wild, much more out there when Chuck Barris became the host. There was another the, game show. I'm sorry. I was going to yeah. mention another game Go show ahead. that was on 
the same network as the original match game. It came on directly before the original match game. It was a show called You Don't Say. Bob Kennedy. It was almost like Password. The only difference is you would be given a name of a famous person, and you would have to guess that name of the person based on different clues. And you're yep. right. Tom Kennedy was the host. Yep. And Tom Kennedy was the brother of Jack Nars, another game show MC. A lot of people didn't know that because you have two different last names. As, as I mentioned, I... I've had my own radio show since 1980, right up to now. And over those decades of doing radio, I've tried to get people who were well-known in their fields. I've had at least eight to a dozen well-known game show hosts. I've had many people who were involved with animation. Billy West, who began on the... Charles Block Rodera show in Boston on WBCN, who went to Hollywood and became well-known for voices right now. He's the voice of the Red M&M, of the Honey Nuts Cheerio Bee. He was the voice of Doug on the TV cartoon, Doug. I was very lucky to make a good friend, June Foray, who was the voice of more cartoon characters that I can mention most famously, Rocky the Flying Squirrel, and Natasha, the assistant to Boris Badenoff. And one of my high memory moments in my life, I was able to go out to lunch with June Foray and Bill Scott. No reporters, no, no people pestering us at the table. Just have lunch and talk about animation, legends of, of cartoons. Bill Scott was the voice of Bowinkle. He was also a producer of a lot of the different cartoons. Came from the Jay Ward studio. Morgan, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about game shows of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. How have things evolved? Uh, I know Jeopardy has is, is, is evolved a lot. Yeah. It's still a, a big deal today. What other games are, are happening now, and how have they evolved from the, you know, from the good old days? You know... I mentioned earlier that certain people have what I call the game show gene. It's in their DNA. It's in their makeup. And Alec Baldwin doesn't have it, yet and still they used him to host a game show. I'm trying to think of the other newer game show hosts that are straddling the the world of celebrities. Anthony Anderson doesn't have that game show gene. Steve Harvey does. And they bring back game shows. I cannot tell you how many times the $25,000 pyramid first started as the $10,000 pyramid. Mm -hmm. And you could rattle off names. Dick Clark was your original host. Donnie Osmond. Yes, that Donnie Osmond was a host for a time when they brought back the $10,000 pyramid. And my problem with game shows now, they try to be too sensational. They try and either let the prize, like a million dollars, 
with Howie Mandel, deal or no deal. And a million dollars, is it's a nice round figure, and who wouldn't want to be a millionaire? That game show by that title with Regis. Yeah. At times, I think they go overboard. You're talking about and, sensationalism. How about the gentleman yeah. who now does Family Feud? I remember how that show evolved. Richard Dawson, then it was Ray Coombs. Yeah. He wasn't bad. The guy now, I can't remember his name. He is way Dave out. Harvey, I just mentioned. I just Harvey. Mentioned uh, that's Harvey? Dave Harvey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that show and really evolved over the years. It has evolved. It's evolved with the money. It's evolved with the look of the show. And bells and whistles can't hide a weaker show by concept. A lot of game shows go overboard with their bells and whistles. There's a game show called The Wall, which basically the game of Plinko from The Price is Right is the focus of that game. And it's a huge set. You stand at the top of the set, a little platform for you to stand on, and you drop a ball. And hopefully the ball will go down a maze and go into the slot that you needed to go into. That's stealing. That's Plinko. <laughs> so you got a game from The Price is Right that they've been doing for 30 years, and now you've got a game based on just that one game. The Price is Right has 85 different games that you can play to win your refrigerator, win your car, win your trip. And the wall had certain circumstances that would happen that would win you a million dollars. Okay, whoopee. I, I think they've just gone over the hill with concepts of what makes a good game. Survivor is a game show. Yeah, that's right. And and that was creative and new when it came out, but it's been around now for 25, 30 years. The newness of it, and they all nip and tuck at their games to add something, subtract something. And they try to copycat what they made new and fresh 20 years ago. I'll give you another game show, The Bachelor. It's a game show, and they have different versions of it. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, The Golden Bachelor. This version has a guy in his 60s choosing from 30-odd women, age-appropriate. And I think they just lose the concept of what makes a good game. There, I'm off my soapbox. I, I, I appreciate the, the soapbox. And, and what your question reminds me of is that sort of network television where all these game shows proliferated back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s is much less relevant yeah. now than it was then, right? So are these game shows, like, streamed or, 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 you know, I mean, that's, you know, I don't know anybody. I'll, I'll, t- I'll, tell, you, Go ahead. I'll tell you why. There's a strike on now. Right. SAG and AFTRA. You can get a game show on because it doesn't involve script writing. So that's where a lot of game shows see now in the evening prime time. You didn't see this in the 60s and 70s. It would be very rare to have a game show on in prime time. The time slot between 7 and 8 is where you see you go to any city. And you'll see the Merv Griffin games of Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and a few other games 
that are focused in that particular time, but not eight to eight to eleven prime time. And the reason there's so many of them now is because they can get away with it without having a script being written, acting. And that's why there's such a proliferation of game shows now in 2023. But I, I, I guess what I'm sort of wrestling with is the only game show that, that, that as far as I can tell, is, has got any traction of people under 30 is Jeopardy. I'm not, you know, I none of my... No, folks, no I, I, I don't mean to disagree with no, you. No, if you disagree with me, that's why, we're, that's why we have you on the show. You're missing the obvious partner to Jeopardy. As I said, Merv Griffin owns that hour. You've got Jeopardy and you've got Wheel of Fortune. That's true, too, yeah. And that's a one-two punch that go to any city, go to New York, go to Cleveland, go to Portland, Oregon. I don't have to look at a TV guide to know that there's some channel of the local channels for that community that's showing that tandem of game shows. And right on its tail... You've got Family Feud. Maybe not as many stations run it, but it's close. So I'll say that's your top three of game shows televised in America. Jeopardy, Bill of Fortune, and Family Feud. Bingo, bango, bongo. But I, I guess what, I, what I'm saying is that young folks under 30 generally don't watch television at all. You know, and so I wonder how much those games are... are transferring to, you know, to younger people. And you know what? Yes, that I will agree with you. A younger audience, uh, let me say it in TV talk, a younger demographic is much sought after. The 18 to 25 market is so desired, and it changes. I'll throw an example out there. Back in the 90s, TRL, Total Request Live on MTV, they had that market. They had that market for about five, maybe eight years. But eventually, something else came along, and the viewership numbers dropped, and that show got canceled. That's the way it always is. When your viewership numbers drop, get canceled. Now, is there any explanation of how Simpsons has been on for over 30 decades, right, again, 30 years, three decades, or Gunsmoke ran for 20 years. Nowadays, you're lucky if you get five to ten years. Big Bang Theory, cute show. It ran for 12 years and making a ton of money in syndication. You want to get a hundred episodes, whatever TV show you have on. If it's a scripted show, a sitcom, a drama, you want to get 100 episodes. Now, in the old days, in the 60s and 70s, you did 39 episodes a year. So you had that mark reached into your third season. Now, you're lucky to do 15 to 20 episodes that will constitute a full season. So it takes you five years to get to that magic number of 100. That's when you make all the money in the world in reruns. Every, I'll go back to every city in America, every city in the world has shown Gilligan's Island. (laughs) Why? 
because it ran for three years. They got over that number of 100-plus episodes, and everybody, every week or every night or every day, tunes in to see these seven people if they get off the island. Of course they don't. But they brought Gilligan's Island back, a couple of TV movies, to satisfy some of the people in America who wanted to see them get off the island. The island turned into a resort. Call that or remember that, but that was the plot development. And I interviewed Sherwood Swartz on the radio, as well as Alan Hale, as well as Don Wells, as well as Bob Denver. And they all talked about their roles on that show and why they figured it was so popular in reruns. That's the key. They had the I remember right- the... I remember the the movie when they did get off the island, Morgan. Tell me if I'm correct on this. They got off the island, and at the end, they came back to the island because they had it made. Yes. yes and no. They had three of those movies during the Gilligan's Island, and it doesn't matter the titles. And in the first one, huge ratings. Everybody wanted to see what was coming next. So here's your plot. They got off the island, they got back to solid terra firma, and the movie star went back to the movies, and Thurston Howell and Mrs. Howell went back to being millionaires, and Skipper and Gilligan went back to being boat tour operators, and they had a reunion of the seven. They went out on a boat in their reunion. But what happened? Another storm. Where did they wind up? On shipwrecked on the same island where they were in the first three years of the that show. That was hilarious. But but then they decided let's let's really have fun, and their island became a resort. They stayed there. The Howell ran it like a getaway to Hawaii. It was somewhere hundred miles away from Hawaii. That's best we could find out. Exactly. You are listening to In Perspective. I'm sorry, Morgan. I just wanted to take a break here and get some participants to come in to talk with you as well. That's what we do here as well. You're listening to In Perspective. I'm Bob Branco, and my co-host is Peter Alchil. We're here with Morgan White, the man of trivia. And what I'd like to do now is turn the festivities over to Steve to find out if anybody has their hands raised. Yeah, we have Colin User on the phone, Colin User 1. You can go ahead. Hello, everyone. Yes. Do you have a question for Morgan White? Hello. There you are. User one, what's your question? No, oh, hi, Morgan. This is Jay from Brookline. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hey. You know, Morgan. Uh, obviously, you gotta make a living here. Then perspective tonight, busy tomorrow night, midway restaurant next week. This is a big <laughs> time. Uh, You're right, Morgan. Jay. I'm. I'm your big fan. I call on your show. I'm sure you probably hear Jay from Brookline. Yes. And I have a question. I know I'm amazed with your patience. You know, I said, boy, he definitely, Morgan has a lot of patience because some of your callers, all of a sudden, you put him on the air and turned out to be had nothing to do with the topic that you have. They just called and you just never said, listen, that's not a topic. Let's move on to somebody else. But you just wait I, for them. Tell me about your patient. Where do you get all these patients? Well, first of all, thank you for recognizing that as a quality. I've, I've, 
I've tried to use, and I will say this, there have been times if I'm talking to an author, and the mm -hmm. author has written a book about World War II, and I'm thinking of Tom Clavin, who I've had on. Right. He's got a new right. book coming up about the Dalton Gang, and I'll be interviewing him at the end of the month of October, but he had a book about a true pilot from World War II. That was the subject. Somebody called in and wanted to talk about whatever I had the previous hour. And I said, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you're listening, but you should have called during the previous hour. This hour, I want to stick to the subject of World War II. That's an example, a factual example of something I've had to deal with. And I don't yell at people. I've, I'm not, I'm not a Morton Downey Jr. on the radio, the way he was on TV. I'm not yeah. a Larry King. I'm Morgan White Jr. I do my show my way, and I had excellent mentors. David Brudnoy was a mentor. Norm Nathan was a mentor. And the way they did radio, I've tried to adopt and meld it into what I do. So I hope that answers your question, and I'm glad yeah, you're calling absolutely. from Brookline. Because hey, thank I want you. to say this. You're, you're welcome. Thank you for the call. I went to Brookline High. And there are people listening to me, and you say, oh, he's just a TV geek, and he's talking about TV shows. Trust me. Through my education at Brookline High, I do all subjects. You want to talk about World War II? Fine. You want to talk about Civil War? Fine. You want to talk about Irish history? I am not Irish. But you want to talk about Irish history? Fine. We'll go back to 1845, the beginning of the potato famine. Whatever is out there, I do the best I can to glom onto that for the pure knowledge of that. And when people talk about trivia, music, movies, sports, TV, and general information, those are the five directions that trivia usually travels. And I try to make sure I travel all five roads equally as well. Morgan, you go off into casino. What's in the casino over there? I like to know because I know you are quite a gambler on the lottery, but you go yeah. quite a bit to Las Vegas. Tell me about Las Vegas. What is there? I've never been there, but I know you go there often. All right. Is this still Jay? Still Jay. No, I, I didn't know if this was still the call of Jay. No, no, uh, Jay. Yeah, I'm still Jay from Brookline and a big right. fan of Morgan. Okay. All right, Jay, I will tell you. First time I stepped foot in the casino, I was 16 years old. Ooh. My mother and I did a trip, free city vacation. They used to offer through Garden City Travel. You had three stops, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Las Vegas. You spent two or three days in each community. And my mother told me, 16, not supposed to be gambling. So find a slot machine that's kind of in, because you've seen the, the movies, TV series, whatever, Rows and mm -hmm. rows of slot machines. Don't gamble on one on the end near an aisle. You'll be more visible. Go in a little bit. So there was a hotel called the Bonanza Hotel Casino. And real quick, just for history, they tore that down. That's where the original MGM was. And MGM moved. And they put in Bally's. Bally's has moved recently. And it's now... 
a golden nugget on the strip. But I hit a slot machine at 16 years old for $460, and this was in 1970. That was a lot of money. I thought I had won a million dollars, and I was hooked. Uh-huh. I've, I've learned a lot about gambling. I know the ins and outs. I try to be as intelligent a player in all the various games, be they slot machines or table games or what have you. And, Ray, if you want, go. there are, there are three or four casinos here in Massachusetts. Go to Plain Ridge. Go to the MGM in Springfield. Go to the Encore. So you can at least experience what walking into one of these behemoth places is like. Only go with the amount of money you're comfortable with losing. If you want to risk thirty, forty, fifty dollars, leave that in your pocket. And once you've lost that, if you lose that, don't go to the ATM. <laughs> right. They I've been in fast food once. Okay, so you have been. I thought you said you haven't been to a casino. No, I have never been in Las Vegas, but in Foxwood I've okay. been once. And you're right, I lost $60 and never All to go back again. Yes. Yeah, because that's what the casinos want you to do. They yeah. want you to come back. They want you to, first of all, you go to the ATM. You take out, let's say, $100 out your bank account. The casino makes money. On that transaction, they oh. only make like they only make like four or five dollars per transaction. The bank makes the other, but multiply that times all the people that go in lose, and then swipe the card to get more money. The casinos are happy to see you do that. True. Now you could win, and I will say this in front of however many people listening: I have been lucky. There have been times where I have made the kind of money that you're saying, oh, my, I wish I could win that. The last two times I went to Plain Ridge, I had to fill out tax tickets. Fill out a tax where, is, where is Plain Ridge? Where is that casino? Plain Ridge is a little bit south of Boston. Plain Ridge is about five miles away from Foxborough, where the Patriots play. Give oh, okay. you a reference. But right in Massachusetts, though, correct? It's right right in Massachusetts. That's where the Patriots oh. play. So five oh. miles from Foxborough is Plain Ridge. And my son, who has since moved, lived in Mansfield. And I went to his house for Father's Day in June. You know, interacted with my grandson. Yay, wonderful. Left nice. two hours later. I went to Plain Ridge and wound up having to fill out a tax ticket. Not going to mention how much money. Yeah, it has to be good. We have other callers. We have other callers waiting, so I just want to say thank you. I'm sorry, Jay. Wait for my other people. All right. Thanks very much, Morgan. Good to hear you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bye-bye. Thank you for calling. Steve, who else do we have in the waiting in the wings here? Uh, Next up is Pam Coffey. Pam Coffey, welcome to the program. Hello. Say hi to Morgan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was wondering if you happen to remember a game show that ran briefly on, <clears throat> I think it was on NBC at night back in the early to mid seventies 
Joe Garagiola hosted it, and it was called He Said, She Said. Mm-hmm. I remember it. Joe Garagiola had several game shows. Uh-huh. And He Said, She Said was one of, I, I think he was the first to do Sale of the Century. And he also yeah. did Sports Challenge. Joe Garagiola used to be a backup catcher for the New York Yankees and yeah. got into show business and he had just that warm personality. Think of any game show host. Any yes. game show host. That name that comes to your mind right now demonstrated a warm personality. Bud Collier, gotcha. a warm personality. Mm-hmm. Bob mm-hmm. Barker, a warm yep. personality. And that's the that's the key ingredient to who makes a good game show host. Earlier I was talking about Alec Baldwin. He does not have mm-hmm. a warm personality. <laughs> I mean, so why they let him run a game show? Yeah. So uh, he said, she said, does that, does that make you smile when you think of that game show? Oh, of course. Even, right. you know, I would watch it with my grandmother. Now think of the age difference between us. And we would both yeah. sit there and watch that show and just crack up because yeah. it was so funny and it was so cute and they were just having such a good time. And you see that four letter word cute yes. is a good word for a family friendly game show. Absolutely. Family feud is yeah. cute. It and is. And Richard Dawson nailed it. He did. They mm-hmm. could not, they've had Five hosts of that show. Oh. Louis Anderson, adequate. Ray Coons. Richard Kern, better than adequate, but not great. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Who was on Science? Uh, Ray Coombs. And the, the guy that was on Seinfeld, he played Elaine's boss. His <laughs> name escapes me for right now. He was a host of Family Feud. I mm-hmm. say Richard Dawson. And climbing up the ladder maybe to position number two is Steve Harvey. And Steve Harvey had to develop a game show gene. Richard Dawson was born with it. Oh, yeah. Thank thank you, Pam. I appreciate it. Thank you. Pam, Pam, thank you for your call. Steve? Next up, we have have, uh, Carla Hayes. Hi, Carla. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Carla. I'm really enjoying this. This is just fantastic. You know, you remind me of Dr. Knowledge in Pittsburgh, you know. For TV <laughs> I don't know if you ever listened to him on Late I've, Night. I've heard of that show. Thank you. But I have two quick so, questions that will have two quick answers. Uh, first of all, uh, what's that? Okay. So first of all, I want to know where, you know, if your radio program is available on the internet, where we can find you, what, when, what time, what station, and the second I will tell you right I... now. Okay. You're, you're in Pittsburgh? Yes. Yes. You well, won't Pittsburgh, need... south of Pittsburgh. Okay, well, you won't need anything special. Just take a standard radio. Okay. AM 1030. Oh, Katie, Katie. Oh, WBZ. AM dial. WBZ. W, yeah. That's where I am every Saturday night at 10 o'clock, and periodically I fill in for Dan Ray, who's our nighttime host when he takes vacation. I'll be filling in for him the last week of October, primetime, 8 to midnight. 
Okay. Okay. And I, so I that's where you that can find me. I missed the beginning of the show, so you may have mentioned that. But the other thing okay. I wanted to ask you is when I was growing up, I loved truth or consequences when I was a little girl. Yes. And I've never seen that come back in syndication or anything. Is there anywhere you can listen to or access old episodes of Truth or Consequences with Bob Barker? Yes. Yes, you can. You go, especially because of his recent passing. I do believe Game Show Network has slotted some of the old Truth or Consequences episodes and he, not he, excuse me. There are ways with your computer to find old game shows. They're all out there. YouTube. And you can go to the computer and tell it X, Y, and Z. And the next thing you know, there's an episode of Truth or Consequences with Bob Barker and Beulah the Buzzer. Thank you. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Welcome. Thank you, Thank Carla. You very Thank much you, for Carla. Your call. Bye, Carla. Steve, do we have anybody else? We had Beth raise her hand and then lower it. I'm not sure if that was a mistake or not, but Beth, if you wanted to. Oh, yeah, she just raised her hand again. So uh, go ahead, Beth. Hello, Beth. Hi, Beth. Well, I, I'm enjoying this. I really, I really think it's fantastic. Do you remember that game? There was two game shows, Queen for a Day and To Tell the Truth. Well, we talked about To Tell the Truth earlier. Yeah, I'll, I'll make you. I'll make you smile. I'm going to take you back five decades. Would you like to be queen for a day? And um, <laughs> yeah, well, daily. my grandma and I used to watch that every afternoon. I watched uh-huh. it with my aunt Thelma. My mother worked, so there were a couple of circumstances <clears throat> in my life where relatives would watch me during the hours she'd work. I'd get out of school around two and. She'd come get me around 5.30 or 6. So I'd watch TV at Aunt Thelma's, and she loved that show. And for those people who don't know that show, now here's a great concept. You had four contestants, and they each would have a tale of woe. Tornado came and destroyed the trailer park home, or they suffered a fire, or broke their legs shoveling, whatever. And whoever had the best sob story, the audience would applaud contestant one, two, three, four. Whoever got the biggest applause would win appliances, a refrigerator, a whole kitchen. Nothing that would make you break the bank, so to speak, but that's what they would win. And they would mm-hmm. go on network TV and reveal themselves as in a sad story, a sob story that happened to them. And everybody would be glued to the TV set. And do, do you remember any one story that sticks out in your mind all those years ago that you watched with your grandmother? Oh, man. No, I don't think. Because I was kind of young. I was about five, six. Yes, I, I understand completely because that when I, I was used, but uh, I used kindergarten, to, first grade. I used to love, yeah, I used to love to watch that show with her. Well, did I bring you back when I gave you the opening, the way they opened the show? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I thought, <laughs> wow, that would be cool to be queen for a day. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. Beth. Crazy little thing Thank you, Beth. called love. 
We have Steph, time for one more. Thank you for taking more. the time to call. We have time for one more, Steve. If there's anybody waiting in the wings, we'll take them. Uh, no hands right now. Okay, so go ahead, Morgan. You can wrap up and tell us what your future plans are, what you're doing now, and all right, what's going on. Now, I'll tell you what, Bob. Now, first of all, I want to let people know I have no material around me. I have hundreds of books on various subjects. But I, when I'm on the air, I do not cheat. And people that have seen me in my club shows, and was it Bob or Peter that talked about seeing me at Lars Anderson? I did. Bob. Okay. So, Bob, you know, people ask a subject. I come up instantly with questions on that subject or answer questions instantly on that subject. I don't cheat. I don't use crib notes. I don't use a computer, and that that's the key. I'm going to do something now. I hope it works. Bob, give me a letter. Any of the letters of the alphabet. T. E. P is in Peter. You said P, right? T. T is in, in Tom. Oh, T is in Tom. I'm sorry. I misheard you. All right. Peter, give me a letter. X as in xylophone. Fine. You want to be difficult. Here we go. TX, abbreviation for what state? Texas. That's the abbreviation on the envelope when you mail a letter. It's TX for Texas. Or I'll reverse the letters. What does that mean if you're talking about someone or something from space? Extraterrestrial. There you go. TXXT. Off the and with of that, Morgan, I'm afraid our time has expired. It's been a fast half hour. <laughs> you were really great. We appreciate you. You know a lot of Thank things about trivia me. and games. Oh, you're welcome. We'd like to have you back sometime soon. So hopefully call me and happen. tell me when I'll be there. Uh, all right, we'll give you a call next week. Thank you, we're going to Thank, have... Thank you Morgan. Thank you. Next Bye, week, guys. we're going to have uh, next week Audrey Demet, a nurse for about healthcare. We're going to talk healthcare next week on In Perspective. Peter, thank you. Participants, thank you. Steve, and especially Morgan, and everybody else. Go safe with God's abundant blessings. Take care. 